Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recording started. Talk Recorded live. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you are listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 576. My name is Eric Nielsen, and with me today, I have my co-host, Matt Longeth. Today is Wednesday, October 13th, 2021. Matt, how are you doing today? Eric, I am well. I am still processing all of the announcements coming out of VMworld, which we concluded up last week, especially some of those coming around uh, our SD-WAN strategy. Uh, also, I see that uh, Captain Kirk finally made it out into the uh, real orbit, so to say. Uh, but before we get to all of those announcements, sir, uh, the questions that we start off every show with. How are you, sir? How is the weather out there on the West Coast? And what is the color of the bay? I'm, I'm doing great, Matt. Uh, I would say that I have jet lag and it's an interesting thing because VMworld, I stayed up, I think for 48 hours straight because we were doing all the live sessions. And I think I got like two hour naps in a couple places. And much like when you travel to uh, Barcelona for VMworld in Europe, you're always messed up on your sleep schedule after you spend a, a few days awake in the wrong times. And I've noticed that I've had a jet lag the last week sleeping because I've reset my clock to sleep in weird places. So I'm getting over VMworld and it's kind of neat to have that experience. I love VMworld this year. Everybody was online, got to see everybody, chat with everybody on Slack. So excited about that. The color of the bay is a murky green choppy. You know, California is one of these things where it's beautiful until it's not right and it was beautiful up until about last week when all of a sudden the storms came through it's cloudy windy it's snowing in tahoe and uh, it, the color of the bay is like a dark murky green choppy because it's windy super windy and chilly so we're getting ready for halloween here so excited uh, to be kind of transitioning out of the summer and into into winter with a uh, very little fall so there we go uh we'll do a shout out to Corey romero i see you're here Corey. uh i know that uh you did a lot of the experts stuff and uh, you're ramping down for VMworld. How's it going up out there in Utah? Uh, things are going great in Utah. And uh, yeah, we had a really, really short fall. We've got snow. Um, our first snow hit two nights ago. So uh, the yard's full of snow, the mountains are full of snow. It's beautiful. Uh, but yeah, as far as VExpert goes, we had our VExpert uh, party this year. We had uh, both a U.S. and a Europe and uh, APG, APJ plugged in there as well. Uh, between the two events, we had over 400 V experts show up for the party. So it was it was really fantastic. It was a it was a personal thing as well as a professional thing. It was a really, really great mix. It was really good to see people, talk to people again. Um, we handed out 136 awards, and they're the, these nice, beautiful acrylic awards um, for various categories. I think we had 14 different categories. Um, we also had recognition awards um, for some of the VMT moderators who are V experts. 
favorites and uh, some other categories as well. Um, and then we gave out 130 just random gifts to the community while we were, th while we were there um, at the parties. And uh, for the gifts and awards, all of the emails have gone out. Uh, so if you're a recipient of an award or a gift and you haven't received my email, uh, just search for it. If it's not there, shoot me an email and I'll take care of it. All right. All right. Well, on the show today, we're going to be talking about, you know, edge computing. If you listen to Raghu and the main pillars of where we're growing at VMware, I mean, if you look at VMware, it's been server virtualization, then network virtualization, then storage virtualization. And if you really look at it now, if you, you, you hear us where we're going, there's modern apps and then there's edge. And edge is one of these fascinating topics that not a lot of us that came up from server virtualization really understand because if you're a networking admin, you get this. So we thought we'd have Sanjay... Upal and Sanjay, you'll have to tell me your, your, the proper pronunciation of your last name because I didn't get it. But Sanjay is the senior vice president and general manager of VeloCloud and works for VMware. So uh, Sanjay, welcome to the show. You can uh, say your last name for me. And uh, we always start out with, uh, tell us a little bit about who you are, how long you've been at VMware, and what's your career arc look like? How did you get where you are today? All right, I'll answer all of those 15 questions in one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> My last name is pronounced like you're saying, oops. So wow. as long as you can, you can say, oops, you can say Upal. So it's Sanjay Upal. And, um, you know, I've been here at VMware for over three and a half years. And I got here through the acquisition of a company that I was running as CEO and co-founder called Velo Cloud. And it's Velo, actually. And it uh, Velo is short for fast and bicycle and, you know, all things that uh, you would want, uh, you know, to have in terms of a network, which is fast, right? So Velo and Cloud, and um, we started doing software-defined WAN. And now, of course, we're expanding into all things Edge, and I'm here to talk about that. And um, one last thing I would say is I'm excited to be here. VMworld, uh, VMworld, as you folks were saying, was a whirlwind. Now, it was all virtual, but it was a virtual whirlwind. Um, and in many ways, that whole VMworld experience was like you're living on the edge. And the reason I say living on the edge is because it's one of my favorite songs from Aerosmith. Okay, back to you then for your next set of 15 questions. 15 questions. Well, I'll hit you with uh, one that uh, just to drill down a little bit. So uh, be before you came, before you did uh, Velo Cloud, um, where did you come from before that? And what does your career look like? Yeah, sure. So actually, I started my career in writing software um, for Unix. And this was, I don't want to date myself, but it was way back when. And, um, and prior to that, actually, when I was in school, I was working on 1G technologies. We didn't call it 1G because we didn't know there was going to be a 2G and a 3G. So we just, we just simply called it AMPS, which was the cellular technology in those days. Uh, so started off by writing TCP IP code and then graduated on to doing NFS. Then I went for a short stint to, to Stanford to study management of technology got lobotomized based on that. So I lost all my technical skills yes, and came did. back and, uh, you know, continued to be at, at HP for a while and then left and did a series of startups, one of which I think people usually raise their eyebrows when I mention it. It was a company called Webvan that um, some, some people remember, some people don't. Um, but we were in the, you know, delivery of uh, perishable goods to the home within a 30-minute window yeah. of the customer's choosing. And it was like a giant packet switch network, except the packets were not actual packets. They were, you know, little bins that we put stuff into, just like, you know, yeah. putting bits in a packet. And uh, did that. And then I had one another startup that I sold to Citrix. And then I was running a um, mobile company for a little while, then started VeloCloud. And so it's been a mix of, um, you know, larger companies and startups. 
But pretty much the thread has been about networking and communication. That's the stuff that I love to do. Um, way back when I was also a ham radio enthusiast, uh, you know, with, with the antennas and stuff like that. I don't do that anymore, unfortunately. But uh, things that are communication, wireless, networking, software, all of this stuff fascinates me. And I'm so pleased to be here because this is like a mix of my work and hobby all rolled into one. I was going to say, that sounds really fun that you, yeah, we all have home labs because a lot of these guys are V experts. A lot of our listeners are V experts. I have my own home lab. I have, you know, microscope. I do hardware a little bit. So I have 3D printers. I have a lot of this, but it sounds like you've actually managed to take your hobby and then start companies so that you could be part of your hobby, you know, as part of the company, which sounds so, super cool. I like that. And then Matt, the other thing that I catch here, you know, you know, I always tell the joke that the higher you go up in management like i'm a senior director which means i only have like one eighth of my brain left and you're the first guest that's actually used that joke as part of part of the storyline which i really appreciate because like i i tell that all the time and it's mostly because you just don't get enough time to spend time at the core stuff that you really loved when you got into this business and why you still do it is that you only get like an eighth of a brain left and if you get to be a vp or a general manager yeah it's all gone right like it's, 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 that's it that's yeah. it my brain is gone i have no brain left right matt before we get into kind of like a, a velo cloud and uh our uh, sassy from vmware you got any questions for sanjay uh, sanjay you brought it up i i would say the experience that you had from webvan and in a positive or neg negative light from where that had ultimately uh, ended up, how w were you able to then pivot and make that next move onto your career? So how, how, once your, your time at Webvan had concluded, how did you make that, that next jump? So, so many times we hear about, you know, through our communities and whatnot, of making, needing to make that next step. And that can be from, you know, the individual contributor the whole way up until the CEO or a senior VP. How did you, how were you able to, to make that next step into your career and then progress along and, and move into this wonderful role that you're in now? Yeah, I think great question. So at Webvan, what I was doing was um, building their network as well as their network infrastructure, as well as um, access to Webvan from non-PC devices. In short, it was from all these devices that we have today. I remember way back when, you know, you didn't have uh, you know this plethora of smartphones and stuff. We were actually making a tablet. So ahead of the card, right? Way, way ahead. My my job was the most fascinating one because my office was filled with these little devices. Like I had the symbol scanner, and I had this like uh, tablet. And because we felt that people would be accessing webband from non PC devices, wow, wasn't that a concept? Now, of course, much of what we do in terms of doing mobile shopping, it's all it's on all our on our smartphones. So in terms of what happened to Webvan, I, it was a fascinating experience for me because next to me was someone who ran Frito-Lay. The other side was someone who did merchandising. And you know, to, to bring together a network, of, uh, like a network that transported bits with a network that transported atoms. I mean, that's basically what Webvan was. And my part of it was managing how the bits flowed and the other people managed how the atoms flowed. And um, when I look at it from that standpoint, I was actually on the other side for the first time, meaning I wasn't selling into an enterprise customer. I was inside the enterprise customer. Mm -hmm. And I think that the learning I got from it really helped me appreciate what our enterprise customers at VMware go through. What is this whole thing about digital transformation and why do they need the, a modern network? And what is it that they need to accomplish? I mean, they're trying to 
figure out how to sell more goods to their customers, whether it is retail, whether it's manufacturing, whether whether it's fixing people like in the healthcare space, um, they're not really interested in what's the bit error rate on my MPLS connection. I mean, that, you know, someone has to tell them that or they have to know that that's not a good thing. So the way that I parlayed what I learned at, at um, WebVan into the next steps of my career is it wasn't some sort of linear progression. I just believe that the universe will come to your assistance if you're headed in the right direction. Generally, you might get buffeted by a few wins here and there, but you end up in a good place. And that's what happened. I mean, I went from there. I just so happened that some of my friends were at a startup. They needed somebody to run marketing. I hadn't done marketing before. I'd done engineering and product, but I said, what the heck? I'll give it a shot. So I landed in there, you know, doing marketing and then became the product guy, then became the CEO and then moved on from there to sell one company into uh, into Citrix and then, you know, moved on into mobile because that's a space I didn't know. And then when that kind of uh, was coming towards uh, to an end, um, I bumped into another friend of mine at uh, at an event where there was free food. So I always say VeloCloud is about free food because that's how we started. And uh, and then got together and, you know, this software defined WAN came about and then VMware liked it, got excited by it. and invested in us then acquired us and here i am Great it answer. sounds like in in some ways that that you're as we are talking about the flexibility of modern networking and the resilience of net, modern networking that that's has been a parallel with your career path where you have been able to you know look at roles that you have not traditionally considered or weren't uh, maybe seeking out before but you were open and opportunistic to them. And it has progressed into, as I had stated before, a, a wonderful opportunity and a, and a wonderful uh, career path for yourself. So congratulations, sir. And Eric, back you. to you. Thank you. And it's certainly a non-traditional path. I have always not agreed to kind of just climb the ladder. So, you know, that part of it has not been very fascinating to me. Well, well thanks for sharing that. It's, it's great. We love the community podcast because we get to actually meet people and hear about them, right? And so for, that was that was very interesting. And the web band thing is certainly fascinating. And I'm sure when they, you went into marketing, they took the last 132nd of whatever brain you had left and, you know, you know, got rid of that as well. So there you go. Uh, let's get on to the, the topic of today, which is uh, SASE, uh, 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 which is you know, one of these service edge. Access yeah, service edge. Thank right, you. Which Thank is you, Matt. a great Gartner term and another acronym and and that they have laid out for all of us. But yeah. Sanjay, what does that mean to you when, when you hear SASE and when you hear secure access service edge? How do you interpret that? Right. Yeah. So so part one of the, blame. the fundamental purveyors of the technology. What's your definition? Right. So I think part of the blame of the acronym actually comes to us, though Gartner coined it. Joe in particular, Joe Skarupa is a good friend of mine. Um, and we were discussing how networking and security are coming together as a service. So prior to this, of course, networking is on the premise. You have all these routers and you know firewalls and web gateways and everything. And then you have security also on the premise. And um, you know, networking apps move to the cloud. Then why not the network move along with it, which is really the whole idea behind SD-WAN. But security was still left large, largely on prem. And then security started moving to the cloud. Now. Instead of having a separate cloud for networking and one for security and then one for you know storage and things like that, the idea was that networking and security actually go hand in hand. Um, and so when you bring those two together and provide them as a service, that is one genesis of, of what secure access service edge is. <clears throat> so the first three parts are secure access service. 
The edge part is because the users who are accessing these applications are completely distributed. And that's why this, this edge piece comes in. <coughs> Sorry. <clears throat> and so secure access service edge is networking services, security services coming together, and these services being accessed by everybody at the edge. And the edge is really where digital infrastructure is distributed because the workloads are getting distributed. So the edge is where workloads are distributed across a large number of locations, where large is usually in the thousands, sometimes in the millions. <clears throat> and these edges are selected where endpoints are either producing or consuming data. If you ask five people what the edge is, you're probably going to get 15 answers. But this, to me, is a very simple definition of the edge. This is what I said at VMworld. And I think, you know, not that I've done any miracle or something, but we put our heads together and said, distributed digital infrastructure across a number of locations for running workloads. And that location is where endpoints are producing or consuming data. With that def definition of the edge, networking and security comes together. It becomes secure access service edge, and the world is good. Sure, it's it's most it's sort of the the definition in and of itself, or how we look at what was a defined corporate networking, is now what we're seeing with edge workloads. I think that it it gives you the sense of scale, right? This can be anything from consumer grade devices that are out there with you know tablets, phones, and whatnot accessing this from home Wi-Fi networks or carrier networks to you know, branch retail services where, where they have branch computing, whether that's in the retail space or banking or whatnot. And then more modern workloads with things like IoT, right? Where, where we see you know, light workloads that are you know, consuming data and then doing batch processing, whatnot. So it, it's this idea now that rather than you know, the box offices where we're looking at you know, consolidated switching and routing and whatnot is that we now need to to provide a platform that integrates both networking and security across all of these disparate networks on a multitude of devices. Yep. And it's an incredible challenge, but I think that, that VMware with where they're headed with some of these updates and some of these platforms that I'm sure you're going to share with us is, is in a strong position to start to tackle that challenge. Yes, yes, absolutely. I think when you look at the use cases, they are very diverse. The underlying common, uh, um, you know, common aspects of all these use cases is the scale of distribution. So endpoints are completely distributed. You know, users and all that are everywhere, as you were pointing out, in the home, in the coffee shop. Um, you know, certainly back in branch offices, the applications are also everywhere. Now, the components of an application are also everywhere and can be moving around. So imagine this: that there's a user who's moving around and maybe physically moving around because they're sitting, you know, they're in a car or something. They're accessing an application. The container of that application maybe started off in the in the private cloud, maybe migrated to the public cloud because it, it uh, you know more burst capacity was needed. But then a recognition that there needed to be something close to where the user was, and so the container of that application actually migrated while the application was running across the network, running on an edge location close to the user. So this kind of scenario is not that far away, where the endpoints are are mobile and dynamic and the and the applications are mobile and dynamic and then the network has got to be able to react to that um, when you mention iot and you know back to you know playing around with technology i'm holding in my hand an adafruit clue this is a microcontroller that adafruit has just come out with fascinating little device 
devices like this, you can run an inference engine. And with some of the newest sensors, you wear that sensor. And today, one of these wearables, you got to tell it, or are you running, or are you bicycling, what you're doing. With some of these newer devices that are coming out, it'll figure that out for you because it's got an inferencing engine on it. With all this power that's going to be out all these endpoints, you need some computation close to those endpoints. And that computation is what the edge is about. We start off with network and security, but we follow that up with computation being pushed out there. And that's the crux of what the announcement was at VMworld, that the VMware edge has arrived. We talked about the improvements that we've done on SASE. We've talked about how in the underlay our telco cloud platform is being chosen you know, for modernizing networks like 5G networks in the, in the radio area. And we talked about this new thing called the edge compute stack, which is um, compute that you can put very close to these endpoints and you can run applications on it. In fact, one example is in, in police cars in, the, in, uh, in EMEA, we have an edge compute stack from VMware running in the police car. The video is coming in. It's going through this edge compute stack. The, uh, you know, it's being recognized, like you know, who the, the person is. And then you can make a decision right there. So this entire area of the edge is very diverse and distributed. You know, uh, I gotta, I gotta just interrupt here and say that, yeah, it is true that I, I, I judged a hackathon last year, and uh, this was at Santa Clara University, and the teams were actually building like small device, you know, uh, with vision software, running the the vision calculation uh, up on AWS, right? And so, you know, here were college kids; they were like building this over the course of like a, a, a twenty eight hour hackathon for the weekend, and they were like tying these pieces together to make a kind of a, a edge app that was actually on your body doing visualization of your area. And they had some use case. And I just looked at how quickly the coders were consuming services from the cloud building into the app. And it, 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 you realize that the, the next generation programmers are going to be building apps very fast in the cloud and doing these type of things. Uh, and and it, it, I look at it, I go, yeah, there's going to need to be fabric and infrastructure that you know is provided for these modern apps, right, that are being built by very young people you know, compared to oh. myself, right? So it is interesting to watch this play out. Yep. yep. I think it also plays into data locality, right? I mean, we've talked about that uh, on previous episodes and whatnot, where, again, I, I like to think that, that cloud is not a geographic location. It's an operating model. Mm -hmm. And as we move forward with these more modern workloads that, that Rather than saying this is on-prem or this is in you know at a cloud provider, that the data is where it needs to be closest to the compute resources that is consuming, mm -hmm. right? So that we would talk about you know AI and vision learning in the case of, of the police entity over in a, a meet uh, that you had mentioned, Sanjay, or that IoT device that needs to you know collect something out there at, at the edge, that the resources that that as we're consuming that data or processing that data allows us to do it where it is most reasonable to do so and to provide a secure fabric and a reliable fabric to execute on that locality. Yes, quite true. I think the security aspect is very critical because unlike in the data center, where also of course security is critical, but you're usually under a single administrative domain. When you talk about the edge, you could be crossing many administrative domains. And when you do that, how do you, how do you recognize a person or a device? What is their security posture? And so it's just, we are forced to adopt a model that now has become quite commonplace, which is zero trust. I mean, don't trust anything. 
you can't trust the user, you can't trust the device. So you've got to be able to, you know, make inferences and, and you've got to be able to get postures. And then on the basis of postures, use the principle of least privilege and, you know, give them only access to what they should so that you can actually, you know, when, if, if a bad thing does happen, and oftentimes it does, then you can at least reduce the blast radius. And so an SD-WAN and what we do at the edge absolutely plays a role here because you can segment traffic and you can make logical associations all the way from the edge back into wherever the application is. And you can make billions of those associations and the next minute they're gone. Everyone's heard of network slicing. You know, we're waiting for the time when the slices will become ephemeral and they'll become, um, you know, something that can be even programmed on the fly. So you get your own slice, you're talking to an app, and then the next moment the slice is gone. We may not be, you know, we still have work to do in order to get there, but certainly there's an understanding now of what that end goal will be. Pure networking on demand to support applications that run all the way from data centers to the edge, applications that can move around, users that can move around, and um, you know have the network still completely working from a security and quality of service standpoint. Sure, and we had heard so much of the Anywhere Workspace vision from the EUC keynotes and how this plays into that you know, triangle, if you will, between SD-WAN security and our current UEM stack. Mm -hmm. And this being a key component to all of that with you know the, the capabilities that we're offering now through uh, Workspace One Tunnel, what, what was the, the former Velo cloud, cloud access, and then how we're even expanding now those services and the intelligence of the network from some of those um, intelligent points that we're collecting and then my, uh, integrating this data into Workspace One Intelligence. Yeah. things like you know long-term uh, troubleshooting and AI tr driven tr troubleshooting that we're announcing and as we're moving forward with some of this so not only securing the network and offering resiliency for the network but then offering you know tangible uh, insights into troubleshooting and performance optimizations uh, now that we have all of this infrastructure in place and we're collecting data behind it yeah, absolutely. I think anyway, Workspace really hit the mark because it is bringing together what we're doing from a security standpoint with Posture. It's bringing together all the user experience work that we've done uh, with Workspace ONE. Um, and then, of course, the network, which is what we've done with SASE. It's those three things together. And, you know, the network oftentimes, it's apparent only when it doesn't work, as what happened very recently, of course, with the whole meltdown that Facebook had, right? And I uh, saw so, so many memes about how important the network is right after that happened. Uh, but we are literally the place where it all gets tied together. Another uh, shout out to one of my favorite pictures, the big Lebowski, where the rug ties it all together, where we are the network that ties it all together. Yeah. So I have to jump in and just say a shout out to the poor admins at Facebook that managed to you know, run the wrong command on one of the network servers and brought the whole thing down. BGP, it'll we, get you every time. We've all been there. I really feel bad for you guys. I hope yes. you, you know, don't worry, you'll get another job somewhere, right? Uh, you know, it just happens to the best of us. Uh, transitioning to like, so you know, I hear how this, you know, what we are offering. Yeah. Then I look at our VMware's products. We've got vSphere, we've got vSAN, we have NS NSXT, we've got uh, VMC and AWS in the cloud. What are we offering? What is the products that we offer when it comes to SASE? Right. So let's start off with the lowest layer of the stack, which is what we call the underlay, which is what the software that runs your 5G network or your fiber network. So what we offer there in the data plane is, um, 
what we call a telco cloud platform. So the reason it's a platform is because you can run workloads on it. Now, the workloads over there happen to be the software that you need to run the 5G network. So these are network functions that come from the likes of a Nokia or an Ericsson or a Mavenir or an Altio Star. These are all people who make these. They're really applications, but they're not applications you and I will ever see because they're actually running the network. So the Telco Cloud Platform is an integrated set of products or components that come from different parts of VMware. So it's got vSphere in there. It's got vSAN in there, it's got Tanzu in there, um, and you know it could have NSX in there depending on what the, the flavor is. So that's one product that we sell. And then we have a set of management tools that we sell because it's really about automating and operating. You know, the, the, the acronym that we use is ICOM for installation, configuration, operations, and maintenance. That installation, configuration, operations, and maintenance to do it across a distributed network, across thousands, tens of thousands, sometimes millions of locations is one of the most difficult problems to solve. So we have products like Telco Cloud Automation, Telco Cloud Operations that allow the service providers to run these networks. So this is that one layer. And by the way, there's some more products coming like RAN intelligent controllers and stuff that's coming down the pipe. The next layer above is what we call the SASE layer. This is the secure access service edge layer. And the products that we sell here, we actually sell them as a service. So you can buy a software-defined WAN service. In fact, if you're working from home, you can get one of our uh, VMware Edge devices, put it in your house, and you get, you know, all of a sudden, your the quality of your network improves, your IT gets full visibility, you get a secure access, and you can balance um, your network traffic over multiple links. You could have a 4G link and a broadband link, and it would all make it work well. That's at the next layer. The layer above that is the edge compute layer. And this is again where we announced the edge compute stack as a product. And this product is an integrated product that is built again from components that we have from VMware, including vSphere, the latest version of ESXi, which is 7.0 U3, which has been customized for the edge to give 10x better performance than what it did, than what it did a year ago. So literally ESXi hypervisor now at the edge, same performance as bare metal which is huge. And this is an announcement we made at VMworld as well. So Edge Compute Stacks includes ability to run virtual machines and the ability to run containers packaged together so that you can put it in a form factor that is that you can deploy at the Edge. In fact, if you have time, check out the uh, project Santa Cruz from Opto. They actually have a, 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 you know what we used to call a, a, an SD-WAN device and running SD-WAN device with the ability to run containers on it. And that's really, and that's a little device like this. So you're talking about, you know, a really small form factor edge. So those are the products we, we sell. Essentially, they are basic, they're, they're software that people will use to get applications to work over large distributed networks at different layers of the stack, at the underlay, at the overlay, and at the compute layer. All right. So I got the telco pl cloud platform layer. I just repeating. So if you were hearing all this, uh, telco pl cloud platform layer, uh, then there's another box, which is something that's on-prem, which is a software layer. I didn't catch the name of that. So maybe you could hit hit, hit us with that name again. Um, yeah. So in the, in the data plane, it's telco cloud platform. In the management plane, in the underlay, it's telco cloud automation and telco cloud operations. So these are management plane entities. So they help manage you know, the, the network. Okay. The layer above is the secure access service edge layer. And it has two physical locations. One is on the premise of the customer. Typically, we call that the far edge. And that you know usually is a device that sits over there. And the other part of it is a near edge that sits inside the network, so at points of presence. 
like we VMware have one of the best um, points of presence network that runs these services. And so it's at IAS points of presence, it's at Colo points of presence, it's at Telco Pops. So we are one of the best networks where we roll out these services that you know both the networking as well as the security services. So that's the the second piece. Right. And third piece is this edge compute stack that stack, we just right. The edge compute stack. Got it. Okay. Thank you for that. When I hear of the edge compute stack and these OEMs starting to to now you know look at possibilities for that, I think of the, the older Cisco ISRs and what they were able to do. And now that this is the ultimate iteration of that, where we have the, that one edge device that is now able to do you know compute workloads and um, containers plus security and networking all in one easy to consume form factor that we can manage through our automation routines as far as upgrades and lifecycle management. Yep. And again, moving that, 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 the, that workload where applicable closer to where it's being consumed. Yep, yep. I think the ISRs um, you know, were successful for a long period of time and then that gave way essentially to the, the software defined WAN or the SD-WAN wave because a lot of the control moved into the cloud and the benefits of the cloud accrued to um, you know the van area as well and then the next step for this of course is what's happening with edge compute because as long as you can do lifecycle management of the services you can network services you can do lifecycle management then at the next layer above of the applications themselves a lot of folks have tried this i think the reason why vmware will be successful is we are present in all three layers of this stack and we know compute I mean, that's the right lessons learned from the telco deployments, right? I'm sure if we have to do it at a telco level of operation, it, 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 what was derived from five nines, right? Where, where they have to really, really, really perform it at an incredible level that we can take those lessons learned in the technology and then move that down to the, the enterprise level, so to say. Yep. Yep. And, you know, we uh, the telcos are, are not that many, but, you know, we have all the scars to show from the learning. But I tell my team, it is about how to learn fast. The faster we learn, the more we can outrun all the other competitors in this space. And so we've oriented all this uh, you know, into a, a culture that promotes learning fast, trusting each other and having fun at the same time. And that's what gets us to a winnable position as VMware. All right, uh, next thing for you, and, and you don't have to answer this kind of stuff if you don't want to, so we'll, we'll move on to other topics. But I always uh, like to, especially when I have GM, customers right like could could we talk a little bit about like what you're seeing from a customer perspective like do you have a couple that you're allowed to talk about with regard to like some instance of what where people have actually implemented this and are and it's working well for them and that why why i let you off the hook is if you're not allowed to talk about customers i completely understand but if you have a couple that you'd like to talk about that would be great to hear oh i love talking about customers in fact the best part of the of this job is really the customer interaction which is why the whole pandemic put a little bit of a damper on it but at least we have conversations on Zoom, but now starting to meet again. I was meeting Vodafone um, when I went to, to Italy recently, and you know I've made uh, trips to see Dish, which is our customer, and they're, they're in Denver. So I'll, I'll mention a couple of examples. One is we have, um, well, up on stage with me was Michelin, and Andre de Villiers was so kind to accept coming on stage. And what Michelin is doing is, you know, they, they embarked on the SASE, on, on the SASE um, you know, path by first deploying software-defined WAN. So really connecting all of their sites together. And Michelin, you know, obviously makes some of the best tires in the world. And so they got a lot of benefit in terms of agility and the ability to have visibility into all of what is happening in terms of the applications that they're running, as well as they reduce cost in the process. 
We had another customer involved in the same project because this was a cell with AT&T. So AT&T and us partnered together to get Michelin. So that's a really important one. Another one I'll mention from healthcare, which is one of my favorites is MD Anderson Cancer Center. So this cancer center, when the pandemic hit, of course, they had to scramble and they had to get continue to provide service to all of their patients. Um, the radiologists started working from home. They didn't quite know how to get back on track. And we deployed our uh, SD-WAN devices all the way into their homes. And then I got a note back from the IT person that um, the IT person, his name is Emil Patel, fantastic guy. He got kudos from his team saying that, uh, you know, what you provided to us was a godsend. And so this was like, wow, you know, we're actually making a difference in people's lives. And then, you know, recent announcement we had with Telia. So one of my favorite customers on the service provider side, um, Telia just selected us to deploy um, software for their 5G core. So, you know, usually the 5G is divided into what's running in the, in the RAN or the radio area network and what's running back end in the core. So they selected us and Rainer Deutschman, who um, you know, was the customer that I'm interfacing with, again, great guy. He was also on the keynote with me, um, talked about how they selected VMware. So the, the customers actually make this thing really exciting. We have customers around the globe. All of our all of the top service providers or telcos, um, you know, customers one way or, or another with VMware. And then we've got all these enterprises in different businesses. Retail happens to be another one that is that is fantastic. We had um, Alpha Mart, which is this large retailer in Indonesia, deploy us across all the Indonesian islands and did that in a record period of time. And then closer to home, USAA, the insurance company, um, you know, they've deployed us both for their sites as well as for the agents who are working from home. So tons of customer stories. Love talking about customers, but I'll hand the, pass the baton back. I, I, a couple things coming to mind. First, Michelin. That's amazing. Like I, I get healthcare. I see where you know healthcare and telcos, but Michelin, which is a big manufacturer, actually taking these practices and and building it out into their factories so that they can they can get value prop for that. So there's a derived value prop to being able to be that connected to the edge. I find that yeah. an interesting use case, right? That uh, that they they find an architecture is needed for for a big manufacturer. Right. So yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other question I have for you is how much of this is actually uh, cloud based implementations, right? So there is on prem and then there's cloud and our management piece is the cloud. Uh, what percentage of do you see customers just going pure cloud or at least a large percentage cloud service? Yeah. So what we like to say is that the on prem is the far edge. Um, what is in between on-prem and the cloud is the near edge. So we actually distinguish between near edge, far edge, and the cloud. So if you take a look at look at it from that standpoint, then uh, physical deployments, what is in the far edge are many, but in terms of the amount of infrastructure is actually very little, meaning that you have these little devices, these small edges that would go out there at the far edge, and everything else is run either in the near edge or back in the cloud. So we follow this adage. Okay. distribute when you must centralize whenever you can and when we say centralize it means don't put it out in the far edge put it out in the near edge or put it out in the cloud because anytime you put something out in the far edge or on prem um the complex the complexity actually goes up quite a bit because you have very little control over what's there on the customer's prem um there's a lot of uh, change and there's you know moves that changes a lot of diversity 
And so, and it becomes more difficult to manage precisely as you were saying from a life cycle standpoint. So I would say that our, our leaning in is always to run things not on on-prem. Um, there are lots of competitors who have started their careers and their businesses of doing on-prem. Um, you know, from networking standpoint, and that is shifting now into the near edge and into the cloud. Nice. Matt, uh, I know we're coming up uh, near to the end of the hour, and so I thought I would uh, ask if you had anything specific you would like to ask Sanjay. I, I do want to highlight Sanjay's two discussions that he had referenced as far as the, the VMworld sessions. So for the discussion that he had with uh, AT&T, Michelin, and Telia, that was uh, session EDG, so Echo Delta George 3058, which was the solution keynote, the future of distributed enterprise edge runs through service providers. And then he also had a second session, which was EDG 2516, how modern infrastructure delivers exceptional experiences. Both of those are available on demand, as you please, at vmworld.com. Great. So, uh, Sanjay, just uh, one quick thing. Why do you have one of these little circuit boards in your in your house? Actually, I don't have one. I have several. You'd be shocked if you walked in and you saw all these yeah, things. Ada fruit. Like yeah. I'm just curious why you have Ada fruit at your desk in your house, or like I got another little one here, which is another Raspberry Pi. That's one of the new ones. I like to play around with this stuff. This is where my hobby and my work kind of merge together. I think. You know, for different people, it's different stuff. For me, it's playing around, tinkering with these devices, getting a good level of running and bicycling in. And, you know, you got to find whatever your thing is. And uh, I think that this stuff is just fascinating, the way this technology is evolving and changing. I always like to keep, you know, as you know, my brain has got 100% lobotomized, but uh, there's a few cells maybe left here and there. And those, if I program these devices, I can keep that part of it alive in my head. I just have a whole bunch of sensors here because I also have Raspberry Pis. In fact, back on there, behind me in the wall there, you see I have two Raspberry Pi 3s uh, pinned up against the wall, or, or maybe it's on this side back there. And so I do play with a lot of that. And we do some VMware code stuff where we have fun running Kubernetes on Raspberry Pis and doing some some fun projects. So uh, that's so you answered the question. You are a geek at heart. You still have some of your brain left, or at least you know, as long as nobody listens to this podcast, they won't come and strap you down and take the last bit of your brains out. So that's 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 kind of cool. Um, right. For the there's my follow up question, Erica. I'll have right. to, I'll I'll leave it as one final question over to Sanjay. For for a gentleman that is, I'm sure, has the the work and life obligations and and whatnot, and is the tremendous amount of responsibilities. How do you prioritize? How do you lay down your own QoS? so to say, <laughs> to make the time for for you to still be the technologist, to play and experience the joy and have that hobby still to go out and look at these edge devices and IoT and whatnot. How do, how do you make that a priority for yourself, sir? I think it, all, it starts with getting the best people that you have in your teams because then you basically rely on them. You get people who are smarter than you, which is which is the case in my team. Then you know you can actually afford to take you know some time and and be able to pursue your hobbies. I think that's one thing. And the second is get an assistant that is better than any other assistant in this world. So you know my administrative assistant is the absolute best. And without my team and without my assistant, I won't be able to do this stuff. Very cool. 
Very cool. Uh, well, okay. So coming up uh, to the end of the hour, uh, if people want to learn more about this, do you happen to know uh, where they go? I know you're on the blog. So your blog, let me do a shout out to your blog, uh, which is news.vmware.com slash technologies slash service dash edge dash sassy dash VMware dash cloud. So I'm sure you can uh, Google search that because it is done uh, by Sanjay, uh, Sanjay Upal, U-P-P-A-L. Um, so go take a look for that. Uh, do we have a blog on the corporate blogs that uh, cover Edge? I should go check that out and see. Any other ways that people uh, can stay engaged with these topics? Yeah, I think SASE, Telco Cloud Platform, um, you know, 5G, Google for any of these, and VMware. And uh, you know a bunch of our stuff will crop up, and of course now with with the edge compute stack, which got you know all kinds of um, coverage. Yes, and I did find the Sassy blog. It is blogs.vmware.com/sassy. S A S E. So you can go to blogs.vmware.com slash sassy and they have a really good blog articles here. Bunch of stuff scrolling through. Scott Nyberg has done a bunch of them and a yeah. handful of other people are out there doing blogs on the topic. So it's a good way to stay. Go check out the blog. You can follow the blog. It has an RSS stream there. So you can get an RSS reader and uh, check out all the articles that are coming from the sassy blog as well. Very cool. All right. Um, with that, I will transition to uh, the, on YouTube. Our channel is uh, youtube.com slash vbarbecue. And so at the end of the show, we always do a little bit of question and answer on vbarbecue. I know we have Tony Foster out there, and I know we did some barbecue for VMworld. So uh, we'll talk to Tony in a second. But uh, Sanjay, uh, we always ask, do you eat any barbecue? And if so, what is either your favorite barbecue to make eat or where do you get barbecue if you do any barbecue oh i love barbecue i have one outside here i love doing barbecue with my son my favorite would be ribs my favorite place to go eat ribs is armadillo willies i love barbecuing salmon i also love well i kind of love barbecuing any kinds of fish uh, but my favorite is ribs yeah, there you go. So Sanjay, um, yet another thing. You you know Unix. Um, uh, did you ever? He go fits to, right at home. He's he's a yep, barbecue. Yeah, he's a barbecue guy. He grew up in Unix. I grew up in Unix. Um, he likes to play with uh, sensors and. As I, I'm sure that fruit. barbecue has an IoT device for temperature checking. And the, and the only guarantee, of course, it does. <laughs> the only thing that would even be better is: Do you go to the Armadillo Willies on San Antonio and uh, El Camino? There you go. That's there the one. Go. That's the one. That's the one. That is absolutely the one. Uh, Tony Foster, are you out there? I know you did some barbecue for VMworld. I am out here. I am indeed. Yes, I did. I did uh, baby back ribs uh, on the smoker. So oh, um, yeah. did those with a, a nice bourbon and uh, um, brown some, sugar glaze. It turned out great. Some people actually boil their ribs before they put them on the barbecue for like 15 minutes just to pre-cook them to keep them soft and then put them on the uh, on the barbie. Did you do that or do you just and how long do you how long do you smoke them? So um, I don't. I will uh, typically do a, a little aluminum foil boat and let them uh, sit uh, in my uh, bourbon for a uh, bit of time on the smoker and then take out the boat and uh, actually smoke them. Um, but I won't uh, 
parboil my uh, ribs before I smoke them. Um, so I'm not a, a huge fan of that. And I smoked these ribs for about uh, four hours is how long I went uh, on these. And the average temp was around 200. 200 for four hours in a boat with bourbon. Can't go wrong with that. Really like that. It is lunchtime here at uh, in California, so we are all getting hungry, and a little barbecue can always make you feel good. Um, we do have guests next week as well. I think we're scheduled for guests until uh, mid-November, so we will be busy, and we'll be back again next week. Uh, Sanjay Upal, thanks a lot for spending an hour with Thank us. Thank you, Sanjay. Telling us a little about your life and uh, and your the cool tech that's coming down the pike, and uh, we're, we're excited to have yet another uh, another whole, you know, what I'd call billion dollar industry to, to engage with. Uh, so uh, thanks for running it. And uh, Julia tells me that VMware Skyline is on next week. So be ready for that. And uh, until then, everybody get some barbecue, have a great rest of your week, and we'll be back in next week. Thanks a lot, Sanjay. Thank you. Thank you all. Nice chatting. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.